आई वी एम It's 2004 and an angry mob barges into an archives institute and destroys priceless manuscripts and artifacts. So this mob had the time to name themselves. They call themselves the Sambhaji Brigade of the Maratha Mahasangh and this brigade stormed the 87-year-old Bhandarkar Oriental Research Institute in Pune and vandalized one of the finest archival centers of our country. Whatever for Hello and welcome my name is Priya Mirza and this podcast is the longest constitution our weekly constitutional multiverse and we are at the heart of hardcore matters property public order and yeah who appoints supreme court judges our first story today starts in bengal and ends in punjab it's the mid 19th century golaknath chatterjee a bengali brahmin converts to christianity and his family isn't too happy about it so he leaves home and walks across north india yeah that's how granville austin describes it that he walked across north india by the way austin's books on india's constitution its making and its working are worth their weight in gold don't buy diamonds people buy austin's books timeless and forever and sparkling anyway let's carry on with golaknath he joined the scottish american presbyterian mission in jalandhar and became the first indian in the country to be ordained as a presbyterian minister hold on i haven't lost the plot although this story is about a plot of land now his son henry golaknath went on to study at the princeton theological seminary in the united states and he and his brother over the years bought more than 500 acres of land in punjab so now that the plot has thickened you would remember that we are tracking the history of the fundamental right to property and how the constitutional assembly decided to limit parliament's ability to appropriate property and basically that is what article 31 was it grounded the state acquisitions of private property by two things public purpose and compensation that the land being acquired was for a public purpose and secondly that the individual would be compensated so the fundamental right to property functioned as the individual's right against the state protecting him or her from the state but in 1953 punjab passed the punjab security of land tenures act allowing the state to appropriate the golaknath estate and it came down to that the golaknath family could keep 30 of those 500 acres and the rest that's 470 acres would be taken over by the state whoa and golaknath contested this in court because it violated his fundamental right to property under article 31 as well as his right to his profession under article 19 part f he also challenged the 17th amendment which inserted this law in the 9th schedule of the constitution and this was a case which went up to the supreme court and gained historic proportions if you have heard of it that's great and if you haven't that's great too because we are going to see exactly what made this case so epic okay our second story today is about that mob the mob that didn't think twice before ruining priceless indian heritage and why because james lane wrote a book lane an american academic wrote shivaji hindu king in islamic india and his book questioned many myths about shivaji and he also thanked the institute he worked in and that's why the attack 
So because a writer wrote about Shivaji and some people didn't agree with the views held in his meticulously researched book, and it really doesn't matter whether it was meticulously researched or not. The question is of public order and the limits that can be imposed on the freedom of expression. So we have seen how Article 19 Part 2 lists eight such restrictions. But hold on. These are the ones just listed in the Constitution. Apart from these, there are other speech-restricting provisions scattered throughout the IPC. So, Section 295A of the IPC criminalizes insulting religions and religious beliefs. Section 153A criminalizes promoting disharmony. Section 153B punishes assertions that a certain class of people cannot be faithful to country and constitution. Following the vandalization, an FIR was filed against the publisher and the author under Sections 153, 153A and 34 of the Indian Penal Code on the grounds that the book promoted disharmony. Okay, our third story today actually ends the story about who appoints the higher judiciary in India. And we saw in a previous episode about how the Supreme Court invented the Collegium, which are the five senior-most judges of the Supreme Court, to appoint other judges of the higher judiciary. Except that Parliament wasn't too pleased about it. So, three bar, ek bar nahi, do bar nahi, pure teen bar koshish ki gai. On at least three occasions, Parliament tried to strike down this collegium system. The first, the 67th Amendment Bill, 1990. The second, the 98th Amendment Bill, 2003. The third, the 120th Amendment Bill, 2013 all clearly intended to get rid of the collegium system established by the second judges and the third judges cases. And each effort collapsed because each of these bills lapsed because the Lok Sabha was dissolved. Curious coincidence, really. Finally, the fourth time it happened, the 121st Amendment Bill 2014 was passed unanimously by the Lok Sabha and the Rajya Sabha. And this became the 99th Amendment to the Constitution. Now, let's pause here for a second and make two points. The only time Parliament passes something unanimously is for an increase in their own salaries and allowances. And incidentally, there was just one person who abstained from this, and that was Ram Malani. The second, this bill proposed setting up an NGAC a National Judicial Appointment Commission, which was controlled by, guess who? The executive, of course, which would then appoint judges to the Supreme and High Courts. So what was the Supreme Court going to do about this legislation? Clearly designed to wrestle control from the Collegium and away from the Supreme Court. So before we go back to the Golatnats, a small reminder that the Collegium system itself arose from the authority of Article 124. In Golaknath versus State of Punjab 1967, which petitioned that the 17th Amendment, the 4th Amendment and the 1st Amendment were ultra-virus, the Supreme Court struck down the offending provisions and Justice K. Subarao held that Parliament cannot in fact amend the fundamental rights and this was epic. Fearing that Parliament may just destroy the Constitution, Justice K. Subarao explained that there were limitations on the power of amendment in the Indian constitution. A. That the fundamental rights were entrenched and B. They had, and I quote, 
a transcendental position under our constitution and kept beyond the reach of parliament. And he was influenced, according to senior advocates in the case, by a German scholar, Dieter Conrad. The German connection people once again. Anyway, what happened in the Shivaji case? In Manzar Saeed Khan versus State of Maharashtra, the court ruled that for any of these criminal provisions, the intention to cause disorder or incite people to violence is essential to qualify as an offence under Section 153A of the IPC and dismissed the case against James Lane and Oxford University Press. And finally, in the NGAC case, that Supreme Court versus Union of India 2015, the Supreme Court struck down both the 99th Amendment and the NGAC Act as unconstitutional. And with that concluded that epic battle over judicial appointments. And the Supreme Court's collegium reigned supreme. So today's takeaways are Parliament's attempts to control judicial appointments ended with the striking down of the NGAC bill. Even though the court held that the publisher and author did not intend to cause disharmony and were not convicted, the Maharashtra government banned the book. Hmm. Finally, the Goloknath case began the Great War as distinct from earlier skirmishes over parliamentary versus judicial supremacy. More on that in the next episode. That's all for today, gentle listeners. If you have questions or comments, please send them in via email. That's the longest constitution at gmail.com. You can also rate my podcast at Spotify and drop a review at Apple Podcasts and can also reach out to me on Twitter where I am at Fundamentally P or on Instagram, The Longest Constitution. Until next time, this is me, Priya Mirza, signing out. <laughs>